Hi everyone, this is Nemo on Life as a Mother, the podcast. Today I have a special guest, Morgan Martin, an inspiring mama, IG handle Morgan Renee McIntyre, that's M-O-R-G-A-N-R-E-N-E-E-M-C-I-N-T-Y-R-E. She will be sharing her story and her journey on embracing hope and finding healing after miscarriage. Welcome, Morgan. I'm so excited to have you on this platform, and I'm honored and privileged that you're a guest. Oh, thank you so much. Hello. I am so excited to be here. Thank you for asking me to jump on this with you. I am so excited to talk about some stuff today and just kind of share about my life and all that stuff. I can't wait. We're happy to have you. So the first thing I'd like to ask for you as we tackle this topic is Can you please share your story about your miscarriage? Yeah, absolutely. So a little bit about me. My name is Morgan, obviously. I grew up in Mississippi, but I actually live in Michigan now with my husband, Derek, our little golden retriever, Nala, and our almost seven month old. Actually, by the time this will be released, he'll be seven months old. Our little rainbow baby boy, Brooks. And my family also lives in Tennessee and Mississippi where I'm from. So a little bit about me. I'm passionate about toxic free living. I love to travel. I love to go to the gym be outside, spend time with friends. I also love the show Selling Sunset. If any of you watch that, I absolutely <laughs> love Selling Sunset. That's my mom love and I show. show too. <laughs> yeah. Yes, we're obsessed. We watch that all the time. So I love all of those things. And so a little bit about my story about my miscarriage. I found out that I was pregnant in September of 2020. And mm-hmm. we were super excited. Obviously, I told my husband. And a couple of weeks after we found out, we had told our families because we were just so excited and we wanted them to know and even flew down to Tennessee and Mississippi where my family still lives. And we told my parents on each of their birthdays that I was pregnant. And then we came back up and we had my ultrasound scheduled for a couple of weeks later. And at that first ultrasound is when we found out that we were having a miscarriage. And up until that point, I didn't have any signs of an unhealthy pregnancy. Obviously, I think, I don't know if this is everybody or if this was actually just the Lord preparing my heart that something was wrong, but I feel like everybody has that sense of, oh no, what if something happens whenever they get pregnant? You know, there's that little bit of fear. You know, we don't want to tell too many people too soon because what if something happens? Yeah. Yeah. So we definitely had that. I've thought often, is that something that everybody deals with? Or is that just something that I was dealing with? But otherwise, physically, I had no signs of a miscarriage. And that first ultrasound revealed that we were having one, but it was inconclusive. They weren't exactly sure what was going on. And they needed to see a second ultrasound to really confirm that that was what was happening, but it didn't look good. And so there was a, a week long waiting period of just like, being in total limbo. Our, some of our friends knew, and a lot of people even knew about the ultrasound. They were praying over the ultrasound for us. And they were like, well, how did it go? And I was like, I don't even know. I mean, it didn't go good. I can tell you that, but I have no idea what's happening. And it was just like this week of feeling so isolated and so in between. I felt very confused. I mean, it was horrible. It was the worst week ever. And I just remember not feeling like I could talk to anybody because 
I couldn't say like, this is what's for sure happening one way or the other. And so I couldn't get people excited mm-hmm. with me. I couldn't get people to mourn with me because we didn't know for sure. And we were obviously praying for a miracle. And then I had no resources. There was nothing out there to, that I felt like at the time that I knew of that would help me through my miscarriage. Felt really alone, even though I had a great support system, which I'll talk about later. But none of the people in my life had ever experienced that. My mom, my mother-in-law, my best friends, mm-hmm. none of them had gone through a miscarriage. So then we had our second ultrasound the following week, exactly a week later. And they confirmed like, yeah, the baby's not growing anymore. You're going to have a miscarriage and your body obviously hasn't caught on to that yet. So there's a couple different options here. And I just didn't feel right personally about doing any of those options or moving forward. So I just was going to let my body do what it was going to do. And then still somehow praying for a miracle, even though the doctors told me I was crazy. And so I don't know if it was me being naive or me just hoping for the best, but I wanted the different outcome. I didn't want my story to be a miscarriage. And so I waited for a while. And from the time that I had my first ultrasound, it was October 28th of 2020. I didn't actually have my miscarriage. My body had no idea that the baby was no longer alive until November 15th. And that's when I finally, so over two weeks went into labor Actually, I started having contractions and things like that. And my body started to do all of the things that it needed to do to pass the baby. And so I ended up going to the hospital November 15th, around like 1130 at night. I was there all night long. And then November 16th, that morning, I ended up having to have a DNC just to stop the bleeding. It was kind of a traumatic story, to be honest. This is the very non-gory version, I guess, but it was a little crazy. So yeah, November 16th, that morning, I ended up having a DNC. And then I went home and just kind of recovered physically and emotionally and mentally. And again, I just felt like I had no resources, nothing to turn to. I had a lot of people who were talking to me, you know, and people that were there for me, but not that understood from a firsthand experience of what I was going through. And so then after that, I can go into kind of like the better part. So we don't end on like a sad note. So a couple months later, we got the clear to go ahead and try again for another baby. And we got pregnant and I found out in March and we found out that our baby was due in November. And then I went and got my first ultrasound, which obviously, as you can imagine, and if you've ever been in this situation, you know exactly what I'm talking about. I was absolutely panicked to go into that other ultrasound for this new pregnancy because I had only known a bad ultrasound. I had never seen an ultrasound turn out good at that point. And so we go into the ultrasound and we see the baby and he, we didn't know if it was a boy, obviously at the time, but he had a heartbeat and we got to see it and he was moving around and she said, okay, well, you know, we're going to get back to you about like your due date and all that stuff, but he's measuring great. My OB calls me back later that day and said, you're official due date that we're going to give you is November 16th. I said, wow, one year later, exactly to the day, because November 16th, 2020, I had my DNC and November 16th, 2021 was the day that I was due with my son. And he was born on his due date. He was born on November 16th without me going in. I did not get induced or anything like that. He was born naturally on his due date. So that day, November 16th is forever special for us for so many reasons, but pretty crazy. Oh, that whole experience must have been so hard, especially as far as the support system. Can you touch on how that looked for you? I know you said that you couldn't really talk to your family or your friends because they didn't experience the same journey. But did you feel like you had some sort of support network to help you through that time? 
Yeah, I feel very thankful because I know that some people don't have that. I definitely don't take for granted the fact that I did. My mom called me every single day on her way home from work just to check on me, making sure like, are you okay today? Um, It was in the middle of winter, you know, depression is a real thing. It's something that I struggle with is like the seasonal depression. And so on top of having a miscarriage, you know, she got, she was very concerned, not because of any particular thing, other than just the fact that I had gone through so much and so she called me every single day. I had friends who sent me flowers. I had a friend who sent me an ice cream cake. I had friends who gave me devotionals. I had people who gave me bracelets that, you know, had engraved things regarding miscarriage on them. I had friends give us gift cards for date nights. I had people come over to our house just to sit with us. I had friends cook us dinner. I had people give us, you know, little gifts and leave them on the front porch so that I didn't feel like I had to entertain or have company over, but they wanted to be there for me. And so they would text me, they would call me, people would check in and even Facebook friends and Instagram friends that I have only known through social media. We have this really great community on Instagram and Facebook, and they reached out to me and just asked how I was doing, made sure I was okay. And all of those things. And it was very, I was surrounded by so much positivity, so much support. And there were people that, you know, weren't as close to me that did know what I was going through. And they were able to talk with me and help me through that and even share stories of, you know, this is what we went through, but we have five healthy babies now. And hearing stories like that from the community and the support group that I had was really, really inspiring because hearing other people go through a miscarriage and then having a family afterwards gave me so much hope because I felt like I was, oh my gosh, am I broken? Like, Mm -hmm. is there a reason that I can't have a baby? Like, why did this happen? And there was no explanation. And, and they're like, well, it wasn't your fault. And I'm like, well, if it's not my fault, then how how did this happen? Like, what can I do differently next time? You know, and we just beat ourselves up and think what if, and coulda, woulda, shoulda. And I just hearing their stories was very, very helpful for me to remember that even though I went through this, this wasn't the end of my story. Mm-hmm. And I think hearing your story as well, at least for me, it's very inspiring. I appreciate your vulnerability because it's not an easy topic to discuss, right? It touches on the heart and it can be painful. Are there any feelings and emotions that come up for you as you share your story right now? I mean, I feel like I don't have so much sadness. I, feel, I mean, obviously there's some sadness it's that that's never going to go away. I always say that I have a you-sized hole in my heart, right? Like a that, that you, the baby, that will never be filled with anything or anyone else. But I, I'm able to talk about it now without crying and without being sad, but it is emotional. And I, I do feel like I've healed. I feel like the what ifs, kind of for me now outweigh the sadness. Like I just wonder, I mean, so June 11th was my due date with that baby. And okay. we're recording this just a couple of days after that. And we had all day on June 11th. I was thinking, you know, we'd be doing a first birthday today mm-hmm. and because it, it was a Saturday and I was like, you know, we would have been having a first birthday party. What would that be like? And would it be a girl? Would it be a boy? We never got to know the gender and, you know, just all the what ifs, I think kind of is how I feel about it now. But I have such a peace too, because I got pregnant with my son Brooks in the middle of what would have still been my first pregnancy. Cause I was due in June, but yeah. I got pregnant with him in, in February and found out about it in March. And so had I not had that experience, I would never have Brooks. 
And it's not that one's better than the other, but Brooks is all I know. And I cannot imagine my life without him. He is the best thing ever in the entire world. (laughs) And so I just have such a peace that it was supposed to be this way, you know, and that doesn't make it easier. It just gives you that peace that says, you know what, like, even though this is hard, I know that it's still good and it can be hard and good at the same time. And I think people try to say it has to be one or the other, but right. have the freedom to, to feel emotion and for things to be hard, but you also know that it's going to be okay at the same time, not one or the other. I also have feelings of gratitude come up when I share my story, because I know that he's using my pain and platforms like this. People on Instagram message me all the time talking about their losses. They feel like they have a place to come to me and talk to me about it. And random people that I never would know if it wasn't for social media bringing us together to to be able to help them through their miscarriage. But I feel like it's given me a purpose. I don't know. I mean, I never thought that my life would be where it is right now. And I don't think that it would be here if it wasn't for the loss, if it wasn't for all of the heartache that I had to go through in that season. And so now I see that there's a purpose in it. I see that it's pushing me towards my purpose in life. Mm, And that's a beautiful way to look at it. There's something that you said with the second child, with your family and friends, were you comfortable to share right away or did you have the same kind of nervous feelings and emotions tied to sharing the journey again? We definitely waited longer. You mean the second pregnancy? Yeah. 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 We definitely treated it differently because, you know, we were so excited with our first pregnancy and we were like, we're just going to tell everybody. And obviously, you know, it wasn't lost on us that something could have been wrong. You know, you just never know. Like there's always that chance. And yeah, but we knew if something were to have happened to that baby during our first pregnancy, we knew that we still wanted those people to be our support system. And that was kind of how we looked at it. So it wasn't because we were just naive and told all of our family and friends so soon we knew that, Hey, if this were to happen and things don't go the way we want them to, these are the people that we would tell anyways. And so we want them to celebrate with us and celebrate the life of our baby. And then if something were to happen, we want them to know so that they can be there for us in that season too. However, looking back, one of the hardest things to do after we found out like the day of our ultrasound, because all of our parents were on pins and needles waiting to hear what had happened and how it went and pictures Mm -hmm. and all the things that we didn't get. And, you know, they didn't say anything because they just knew something was wrong when we didn't text or call right away. And the hardest part of that was having to basically untell them. And we said, we never want to have to untell anyone again, because it was so painful for us to relive it. It was painful for us to hear their pain and they were crying because we were in pain and just, it was very hard. So yeah, with the second pregnancy, we waited until we had a a really healthy ultrasound and we were able to share that news. I mean, we still shared very early, Mm -hmm. but we, we had an ultrasound at that point. And so we just felt like that that was what we wanted to do moving forward. Okay. And with, with the first pregnancy, like you said, like the memory is forever etched into your heart. Are there insensitive things that people may have said to you as you were going through that journey? Is there tips or advice you can share with us or words or support that we shouldn't be engaging in through that journey? Yeah, I think there were a lot of people that said insensitive things, but I just had to remind myself that the intent was never malicious. I truly believe that no one would intentionally say the things that they said if they knew the way that they were saying it or the way that it was coming across. And I I had to remind myself they truly are just trying to help. 
and they don't know what to say. And I can't be mad at them for that. So I tried to have grace there and not, you know, would say thank you so much and just kind of move on. But I think some of the most painful things people said is at least you weren't that far along and they're trying to make it seem like, well, you know, it could have been worse. And yeah, it could have been worse. You know, I know people who have unfortunately had stillbirths and they had their baby at 40 weeks and it just, they lost him or her. And of course that is so painful. And I don't know what that's like. Even having had a miscarriage, it is very different, but I think it's comparing the pain as to harder or easier or better or worse. And I don't think that that's the correct comparison. I think there are different types of pain. So saying you're not that far along, I wouldn't say that. A lot of people said like, oh, well, God's plans better or things like God needed your baby more in heaven. And I think for me, that one bothered me because I don't agree with that theologically either. God doesn't need for anything. And so he didn't need my baby, you know, and it's not that he took my baby from me because he wanted it more or needed it more. I just, I believe that this stuff happens because there's sin in the world. And unfortunately death is part of that. And the Lord allows these things to happen. He doesn't cause them. He doesn't say, Oh, I need your baby more. So I'm going to take it. That's not how that works. And I think, you know, he allows these things to happen, but ultimately he's going to use it for our good and for his glory. And that's what his word says. And so God won't give you more than you can handle. That's another one that a lot of people have told me. And I don't agree with that either because God is going to give you more than you can handle. The Bible never ever says that that you're not going to have more than you can handle. It says that in the middle of your hardships and your hard times, I'm going to be able to sustain you and that, you know, you're going to be able to bear the weight of what's going on because of me. And he is going to give you more than you can handle so that you're dependent upon him. And so whenever people would say, you know, the Lord will never give you more than you can handle. It almost puts this, well, then if I don't feel like, I mean, if I feel like I can't handle this, then does that mean I'm weak? And so in the midst of your pain, you're also getting these notions that maybe you're just too weak to take care of these things that should be so easy for you or whatever yeah yeah no I agree I agree with you there entirely as far as give God giving you more than you can handle in fact when you say it now I think about the story of Job and how uh, even him he got all this counsel and words from everyone trying to explain the situation for what it was when he lost his family and all that stuff and it it's what you if you seek your strength from God you can overcome through the journey but everyone good or bad will experience pain right god won't intentionally put the pain on you but because of sin like you said everyone will experience pain in somewhere right. or another so it's where you try and grow from that pain or heal from the pain yeah and i think all of these expectations too of oh like it'll get better really soon right you know, things like that absolutely the heart of that is like it'll be better it'll be better soon of course we want people to think that it's going to be better soon and we hope for them that it is better soon but when people say that to me I was like well when is the soon and when will I arrive there and how will I know that I am there like when it where is the soon and I was just trying so hard to find the soon like it will be better soon well what can I do to hurry along that process because this feels really hard right now and I want the better and so I feel like sometimes it just this expectation of grief and what it should look like and putting it into a box adds pressure to the pain that we're already facing. Yes. Yes. Well said and well put. I agree with you there. As far as the process of trying for the second pregnancy, how was that for you? Cause I would imagine myself, I'd be so nervous, so defeated. 
I can't even imagine going through the process of trying again. And how was your husband going through that process with you as well? Yeah, I think the hardest part of me trying again was every time I took a negative pregnancy test, I would remind myself it sh- I shouldn't even be taking a pregnancy test right now. Like I would be five months along right now, or I would be six months pregnant. I should be p- painting a nursery right now, not taking another pregnancy test. And so that part was the part that was like the hardest for me where I was like, it shouldn't have to be this way. Why is this what I'm doing today? Why am I not picking out a baby name? Why don't I know? Why am I not posting about my baby bump? I'm sitting here checking my ovulation again, and I don't want to do this. Like this sucks. And so um, there are definitely pity parties within those months of trying again. And because of how kind of traumatic my miscarriage was emotionally, obviously, and that's for everybody, but also physically for me, I wasn't allowed to start right away. We had to wait a little bit just to kind of let my body heal. And I think it was also a big lesson in trusting my body and trusting that it knew what it needed when it needed it. And that it was going to allow me to get pregnant again. I mean, I know this is totally a spiritual thing too. And like God blessing us with this baby, but my body and the way that God made it being ready and prepared and knowing that I think my body held off just so that I wouldn't have to experience that pain again. I really do think that my body and the Lord all work together to wait until my body was truly ready to house another baby in the womb and for it to be a healthy place and a healthy environment to grow and sustain that baby. And that's what happened. So it took us about three months, which I know is really fast for some people. Yeah. Maybe it's very long for other people. And they're like, oh, well, it only took us like two weeks, you know, and then, but everybody's different. And I think it's important not to go there and compare your pain because there are so many people where they're like, I wish I had your story. Cause I, you know, I had my miscarriage three years ago and we still don't have a baby. And Mm -hmm. I I wish my story was different too. I wish that I didn't have a miscarriage. I wish none of us did, but I think Mm -hmm. we have to remind ourselves like God's sovereign and he is in control and your story is your story. And whatever the outcome is, it's going to look different than mine, but we can't allow ourselves to compare good, better, worse. Like your journey is your journey. The pain that you have is your pain. And the story that you have about how you did get your rainbow baby or how you never got your rainbow baby or how you never had a miscarriage and you were able to have so many healthy children or, or you only decided to have one baby, whatever your journey is, or you foster, you adopt, or you're a stepmother, you're going to have your own story and test testimony of being able to help people with whatever your story is. Mm -hmm. I like how you put it. Your journey is your journey. And I think all pain is valid and we shouldn't compare one over another because we're all different people as well. And the way we handle and manage and heal from the pain is different too, right? So by comparing and all these things, we put all these expectations on people, which can be so detrimental, especially as women, I feel there's a lot of pressure tied to being able to have children, right? So when that doesn't happen, it's like, uh, what is up with this person? Which can be quite tough. And for you, do you find the use of social media and being transparent about your journey, you've gained a lot of traction in the community and you're able to support people. Do you see that there's been any negative side to 
using social media and being transparent about your journey on social media? No, there really hasn't been. Actually, everybody's been very just like the overwhelming support. Everybody has been just, you know, we're here for you, but then also using my testimony to help other people and sharing my posts and also coming to me and saying things like, you know, my best friend just had a miscarriage. What do I say to her? Like, what can I say? What can I not say? Is there anything that helped you? What can I do? And so being able to do that stuff, that's been very cool. And being able to just use social media to kind of help myself heal and bring awareness to it. Because I think even whenever I had my miscarriage in 2020, it wasn't as prominently talked about as it is in 2022. And I feel like a lot of my Facebook friends, since I came out about my miscarriage and I was very open initially, which I had such a following before that I felt that I owed it to them to tell them kind of what was going on and why I had been a bit MIA. And I wanted to tell them, you know, I, I don't ever want anybody to feel the pressure of, well, I should say this. It's never a should. It's if you want to do, and if you don't, then don't. But I personally like to do it because it was healing for me. It was almost like I use social media as a journal. When things would happen, I would update those things. And it's cool to look back on because now I see the memories pop up of those things. And I just look back and I'm like, wow, I feel that again. Like I feel that emotion again. And I look at my life now and I'm, I like, just want to tell that girl, hang on. Cause it's coming. The better is coming. It, it really is. And so the only negative thing that I had happen was somebody on Instagram sent me a a nasty DM and she said, and this was years ago, I could never remember the person's name and not that I would share it if I could, but so far removed from my mind. But just when you asked that and immediately popped back, it was a DM response to a story that I had posted on Instagram. And she said, stop sharing about your miscarriage. You're not that special. A lot of people have had them and nobody cares or something along those lines. She said something about a lot of people have them and it's not that special. And I think I had to pause and really remind myself, like, who am I sharing this for? I'm sharing this for me and I'm sharing this for the women who do need hope. And if that's not her, then that's okay. Um, Yeah, she doesn't have to look at your page. Yeah. It's like my whole thing with social media in general. If you don't like it, then just don't look at it. But she wasn't wasn't even one of my followers, but she just somehow happened upon my story. And then my second thing is hurt people, hurt people. And I think she's probably someone who's had a lot of miscarriages and just never had that positive support. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think she's really hurting. And I think there's also that there's an element of that too, with the value that you place on life before birth. And I think there's an element of that too, with miscarriage. So that's really the only one that I've had that's been negative at all. Everything else has been very, very positive. And I think even more so now it would be very positive because of how prominently people talk about it. Okay. That's nice to hear that a lot of the support has been positive because with social media, it can be either or there's so many trolls out there, but for the most part, yours has been a good story. And yeah, keep doing what you're doing because you're very inspiring. And I like how you put things together and share your story and give tips and tricks. And I'm excited for your book to come out. (laughs) Shameless plug over there. (laughs) (laughs) Any advice for mothers going through the same experience or words you used to encourage yourself? I really think it's just a matter of reminding yourself just because somebody else's story is their story doesn't mean that it's yours. Meaning that if you know someone who has had a miscarriage and you're pregnant, like I don't want you to take on the fears or the 
story or the ending that they had and, and take it on as your own because your pregnancy and your story is different. And Mm -hmm. in that same way, this pregnancy is different than the last. And there were some mantras and affirmations that I would say, and this is not something that I wrote. Someone else wrote it, but I put it as my background on my wall. And it just said things like, I have a healthy, happy baby until someone tells me otherwise. Mm. Things like other people's journey is not my journey. Just because something happened in the past doesn't mean that it's going to happen again. Pregnancy and miscarriage are not contagious, but fear is and things like that. Mm. And so just all those affirmations very much helped me whenever I was going through my journey of pregnancy and then miscarriage and then pregnancy after miscarriage and all of those things. Okay. Okay. Thank you for sharing that, Morgan. So before I get to the rapid section where I asked questions for the audience to get to know you, I did have one last question. Why are they called rainbow babies? Can you shed some light on that? I think it comes from the term. So rainbow baby is after a miscarriage, right? And it's like in the Bible where Noah and the ark and, you know, God sends a flood. And then after the storm, he gives a rainbow as a sign of a reminder that he's still there and that he's not going to leave his people. It stems from that. And so it's basically like the rainbow after your storm and everybody, like you never have a rainbow without having a storm. And so that's like your promise, Mm -hmm. your saving grace, your gift after the storm and the, the pain and the hurt that you've been through, you get this beautiful thing afterwards okay good to know thank you yeah yeah now for the audience to get to know you I have some quick questions here for you what would you say is the most influential book or books in your life so during my miscarriage, I really loved the book. It's not supposed to be this way by Lisa Turkhurst. And then one of my all-time favorites is winning the war in your mind by Craig Rochelle okay perfect Thank you. I'll be sure to share these details as well when I post the caption for this episode. One question I had to is, no one told me motherhood would dot, dot, dot. Can you end the sentence? So no one told me motherhood would be this great. (laughs) I know that that's so broad, but I had no idea that I could love somebody this much. I had no idea how selfless I could be. And I don't say that in like, that sounds weird that I'm like calling myself selfless, but it's not in a prideful way. It's just for the first time, I want to do something for someone else more than I want to do it for myself. And parenthood, you know, motherhood has taught me whenever I was pregnant with him, I just wanted to keep him safe. And I just wanted to keep him safe. I was like, I can't wait till he's here just so that I can keep him safe. Because to me in the womb, he's not safe, which is not true. If you're listening to this, it's not true. But that's how I felt after my miscarriage is that if I could just get him here, I can keep him safe. And motherhood has taught me that even though they're here, you cannot keep them safe. And every single day I have to surrender my son and his life to the Lord and remind myself that I am not ultimately in control of what happens to him. But just, yeah, that love, I had no idea. I had no idea I could love something like that. No, I completely resonate with that too. I have a two and a half year old daughter and sometimes I'm so surprised at myself at things that I'm Uh doing. With limited sleep, you're still pushing through and have no issues to do whatever you can for your children. So I agree with that 100% as well. Yeah. Yeah. And what are some things you've had to unlearn? I think somewhere along the way in my life, I've learned to care about what other people think. And Mm -hmm. that was something that really has held me back a lot in my life up until 
just recent years. And so I cared about what people thought and I, I still do to a certain extent, but I've had to stop letting that be more important than what God says about me. Because what other people say about me is not as important as what God says about me. And so I I think it's okay to care what people think. I don't think that you should just totally not care what people think or say about you. I think that God created us for community and for friendships and for relationships and connections. So I think you should to some degree care about what people think, but you just can't place more value on that than what you do God's view of you. And so I've had to unlearn caring what people think about me. Hmm. That's a lot of growth and wisdom right there. Thank you for sharing that. Now, the last point I wanted to ask you is, uh, what did you learn late, but you wish you learned early? And you can tie it to, to the last response you gave. It really would be that because I think that that has stemmed from so many things in my life that I did do or that I did not do were predicated on what other people thought or said about me. It had to do, I mean, it was as big as life decisions were made because of what other people would think or say about me. Relationships Mm -hmm. that I was in or didn't get into were because of what other people would think or say about me. Mm as well as even like eating habits. I mean, I was so people made fun of me whenever I was younger because of my weight and that has haunted me. And I've carried that with me for years and years. And that has even controlled what I eat as an adult. So it's so caring about what people think. Like, I wish I had learned that earlier. Mm, Okay. Okay. Wow. Thank you so much, Morgan. It's been a pleasure to have you on this episode. So Thank welcome. you for Thank being you for so inspiring, me. for being so vulnerable with your story. It's been great. And yeah, again, her Insta handle is Morgan Renee McIntyre. I'll tag her as well in the post. And yeah, we appreciate your time. And thank you so much, Morgan. Thank you so much. Have a great day. Thank you. You too. Thanks. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Life as a Mother, the podcast. Please share with a friend, subscribe, and leave this mama a review.